Guys, I'm sorry. I know it's been a while, but this is Alyssa. I'm back. We are on episode 7 of the Rubber Match podcast, and I'm ready to start talking about baseball. I'm telling you guys, it was never my intention to be this inconsistent when it comes to having episodes and things like that. I wanted a set schedule. I wanted to put out my episodes on Monday, and then I changed it to Friday, and then I can't even keep up with that, but... Honestly, everything for me has just been really busy. It's been school and it's been work. We just had midterms this week, this past week. So I was really just on the grind trying to study for those. And then everything that basically just comes with being a junior, I've just been going through it. And there's been work and it's just been a lot of different things. And... It sounds like excuses, but those are um, things that I committed to do before the rubber match and school and work. And if I was playing a sport, which I'm not going to play a sport this year, I'm just replacing my sports time basically with the rubber match. Um, those Those are priorities and they come first. And I try to manage my time as effectively as I can. And I think I do a really good job of that because... Luckily, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, I pre-recorded part of episode seven, the the last part where I'm going to be talking about, you know, all, all of the All-Americans, well, the first team All-American, and then some other names from the second and third team All-American that you guys should probably know about, basically, so I'm going to be, um, talking about those, but I already pre-recorded that part of the episode, but the reason I don't want to pre-record the entire episode is because it is free agency and a lot of things are happening in the Major League Baseball. Like, I'm not going to go into depth about those things because there are people that you can listen to that can and I just really don't care to do it and I also don't want to be, like, dead wrong. So, (laughs) I think, honestly, as a college baseball podcast... And that also talks a little bit about the MLB. I think the smart thing for me to do is basically to just say who's going where and basically kind of like how I feel about it. Not Nothing analytical, nothing statistic-wise or anything like that. But um, that's basically what I would probably talk about. And I guess that's all I have to say. Updates, I... Actually, um, when I put a little update on where my website is headed, not it's not physically going anywhere, but like, you know, I guess what I'm going to be putting on there, I put something out, I think a couple days ago, and the articles for like the hottest, the 10 hottest guys from each division, they are coming. I think I should be able to put out a couple this upcoming week and that's just going to be like the thing and I might put out like my top 20 list or I say top 20 I think I'm going to do top 50 list I forgot I don't know how many dudes I'm going to put on there but I think I'm going to put it out on Valentine's Day and that is also around the time college baseball is going to be starting or you know it probably would have already started I'm not sure I think 
last year it started on a Friday and it started on Valentine's Day. So then um, I guess Valentine's Day will be like a day after or two days after college baseball starts, I'm pretty sure. But basically that list is definitely going to come out. I'm really excited. I've been working really hard on it and the website is definitely going to be more consistent. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put out a weekly review of the top 25. And I think the one I'm going to choose is I think I'm going to choose the collegiate baseball one to do. I could do D1 baseball. I could do perfect game. And I'll get into why I don't really like perfect game as well. But I think I'm just going to stick with the collegiate baseball newspaper, like their weekly top 25 or collegiate baseball. Or NCAA. I actually scratch that. I think I'm going to choose the NCAA baseball rankings just because it's, you know, college baseball or whatever. I might compare the two. I might do collegiate baseball newspaper because I like theirs. And then I also like NCAA baseball. I just honestly think that because football and basketball are just more important to the NCAA than baseball, I think that collegiate baseball is going to be a little bit more accurate because they you know only care about college baseball and they just like I just feel like they have better insight than the NCAA and that could also go for perfect game as well I'm being really boring right now but um basically that's just what I wanted to say updates on my website and podcast episodes I'm going to try to be more consistent obviously it's going to be a little difficult because school and everything's going to be heating up again And, you know, I really do want to put out an episode every week during the college baseball season about what I think is going to happen or what has happened over the past week. And I just really want to put out really good content for you guys. And I'm going to try to find time and squeeze time into my schedule in order to do that because, you know, the rubber match and the people that, you know, listen to it, they mean you guys mean so much to me and this sport means so much to me so I'm really going to try to be more consistent and everything like that. I have a TikTok. I do. I have a TikTok. Follow me at The Rubber Match. I don't think there are any periods or spaces in between them. I changed all of my social media so that they looked kind of the same. I couldn't do the rubber match for Twitter because somebody already had it. So I put periods in between the words and it's all lowercase. So it's the dot period. What? No. It's the dot rubber dot match all lowercase. And that's my new Twitter username. I don't know if I changed that. Or if I told you that in the previous episode, episode 6, but that is definitely what it is. And then for TikTok, it's everything together, no periods, no spaces, all lowercase. The rubber match, if you have not followed me on Instagram, it is also the rubber match spelled the exact same way, all lowercase, no spaces, no periods. And yeah, I posted my first TikTok where I was just talking about my type. And then... The next TikTok I made, I was talking about like a flashback to the time where the Arkansas Razorbacks uh, dropped the ball. Figuratively and literally in game two of the College World Series, which I thought was very, very hilarious. And I don't feel bad for them. That video has 
two views so I think I'm going to delete it and like repost it at a different time and see if that does anything but um yeah I wonder why but anyway that's everything basically I guess for TikTok and now let's get into the pick off there were a lot of blockbuster deals made while I was MIA Basically, I was here, but I wasn't, like, in behind a microphone, like, speaking. So, <sighs> Lindor, Francisco Lindor is no longer a Cleveland Indian, uh, a Cleveland baseball team member. It's, I don't know. <laughs> he has been traded to the Mets for a few prospects and a few players that are honestly, obviously not on his level. I mean, obviously, you know... The Cleveland baseball team traded away Lindor because he was just going to be too expensive for them. Like, the Cleveland baseball team, they're a small market team. They're just like the Rays. Um, We develop these MLB players and we turn them into superstars and we just, we can't keep them. Like, they're just too much money. So, for all the Indian Cleveland Indian fans like you knew this day was coming I watched Fuzzy on YouTube and Fuzzy was devastated you know what I'm saying but obviously he knew and then like his friend Giraffe Neck Mark was he's a Mets fan and he was like excited about it and just it was you know it's we knew Lindor was going to get traded sometime during the offseason the Indians said that and the Indians did what they were going to do and they traded Lindor to the Mets and I mean with a Mets team that is already um super stacked now that you have you know the the great pitching staff that they have you have Noah Syndergaard Jacob DeGrom well if Noah Syndergaard is healthy you got Marcus Stroman and you have a couple of other guys basically in that rotation it's crazy you have Pete Alonzo, disgusting. I'm sorry. I just, I don't like Gators. I don't like them at all. But you have Pete Alonzo and, you know, you have Jeff McNeil. You, sh- you have a talented lineup as well. And you add Francisco Lindor to the mix and the Mets are a playoff team. However, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like the Mets have to do it. You know what I'm saying? Because Every year, everybody's like, the Mets are going to be so good. The Mets are going to be amazing. They're going to go to the World Series and this, that, and the third. And it's like, this team has to actually do it. Like, we say all that, and then they are under 500 for the season, and they miss the playoffs. And that's just, the Mets are one of those teams where it's like, I have to see it to believe it. Like, I have those things for, like, college baseball teams as well. Especially when you talk about like the University of North Carolina or Boston College, like those are teams for me where it's like I have to see it to believe it. And when it comes to major league baseball teams, the New York Mets are like one of those teams where it's like I have to see it to believe it. So even with Lindor, even with DeGrom, even with James McCann, like I don't care who they have on their freaking team, like. <laughs> I'm still thinking they're going to go under 500 until they prove to me that they can actually finish this, finish the season over 500 and make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? And if the Mets do make the playoffs, they're going to be a very dangerous team, you know, in the playoffs because of the talent that they have. 
And, you know, any team that makes the playoffs can win the championship. That's what the playoffs are all about. So I think Lindor going to the Mets is really good for the Mets. And if they can really capitalize off of his prowess and his talent, then they're going to be in a really good position to make the playoffs and possibly play in the ALC, I mean, NL, oh my Lord, the NLCS, you know, either against like the Braves or like the Dodgers or something. Well, I think they would have to play the Braves first before they get to the Dodgers. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, We will see. Corey Kluber is going to New York's, the New York Mets evil twin, the Yankees. Yep, he is going to the Yankees, and it's already an already stacked roster. I mean, I don't even have to tell you who's on the Yankees. It's like, even with baseball being a declining sport, I just feel like you can obviously still name people who are on the New York Yankees because that's just like the showy team. Same thing for like the Dodgers. Maybe the Dodgers more so than the Yankees, but definitely the Yankees. Um, It's going to be a really stacked rotation, whether or not Mashiro Tanaka comes back to play in the United States like again I mean on the Yankees team or he goes back to Japan because he's been considering that as well and um no matter what that team's going to be really good and unless they all get injured which they do which they have done for the past couple of years like that's the problem it's just the Yankees could be such a good team but like they cannot stay healthy You know, and that's why they lose all the time. And, like, they come back in the playoffs and everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, they're going to do it. They're going to win the World Series this year. And it's like, I mean, you're playing, like, a limited amount of games. And it's just, it doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like, they probably had the best chance of winning the World Series in 2020. And even with all the rehab, even with all the rest that people like John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge got, which... They still could not play an entire season of baseball, and even LeMahieu was out for a time, and it was just, it was just a whole thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if they can't stay healthy, they're not winning a World Series. Like it's just not happening. They're gonna keep losing to teams like the fucking Rays. <laughs> I like, you know, it's just they, um, they have to stay healthy. If they don't stay healthy, then you know it's just it's not gonna happen for them, unfortunately. And I want the Yankees to win a World Series a little bit, a tad. I do. I want them to win a World Series, but it's like, y'all have to stay healthy before you do that. So, you know, that's the only team other than, I mean, well, no, that's the only team that I feel like could give the Dodgers a run for their money, but they just have not given themselves the chance to actually do it. Like, the Dodgers would not have been able been able to run over the Rays. I mean, run over the Yankees like they did to the Rays last year. Like that would not happen. But it's like the Yankees have to like stay healthy. Like I understand. Like it's really hard to. It's kind of like out of your control, and you can be doing everything you need to do. But it's like y'all still gotta do it. You know what I'm saying? Like no excuses. Get it together. You know what I'm saying? You know, you got one of the best pitchers in the league right now. You got Garrett Cole. You signed him to a fat contract. You have two of the best hit. Well, hell. I say two. Yeah, you have two of the best hitters in the game. You have LeMahieu and you have Aaron Judge. 
you have the home run king. You got Luke Voigt up in there. You got young pitching prowess and people like, you know, Debbie Garcia. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, you Severino comes back. I mean, like, it's, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like gloating over the Yankees right now. And I call them like the evil twin, which they still are the evil empire. I don't care. They still are the evil empire, but like still. I think I'm just gloating a little bit too much on them. So anyway, they have a chance, you know, they signed LeMayhew to a six-year deal. I was talking, I mean, it's so weird. I was talking about Corey Kluber and then I forgot the big dog. LeMayhew signs a six-year, $90 million deal to go to the Yankees. I'm, you know, I feel like he settled for less, but I think the allure of winning a national, a national championship, the, um, allure of winning a world series I think is more like enticing him to stay with New York because he could sign a fat contract to like the Dodgers or the now well the Dodgers could definitely win but he knows like you know what that's an imbalance of power I (laughs) I think he knows it's an imbalance of power but you know he was I don't think I think he was interested in talking to other teams he could sign a fat contract to play for like the Nationals or like the Blue Jays or something like that. And he could most definitely increase their chances of going to the World Series. But as for winning it, I think he's smart enough to know that the New York Yankees are giving him the best chance of winning a title in his career. So I think I think that's why he was willing to like settle for less and 90 million dollars is still a lot of money so he might be one of those people that's like you know I wanted a big contract but you know 90 million is still a lot which it is obviously is he gonna get all that 90 million no because of taxes and expenses and things like that but you know it's still a lot of money and he really does want to stay in New York and you know all of his teammates love him I you know I haven't heard anything bad about DJ LeMayhew and the Yankees fan base, like, they love him too. So it was just a lot of factors into him staying. And, you know, we can say that, you know, he didn't get signed for what he was worth, which is I'm saying that. But I think, not to be, like, cliche or anything, but maybe it was more than just money. Maybe it was more than just the money that he wanted to stay, you know, in New York. I can't relate to him. It's all about the coins for me. Um, Yeah. You know, he could have signed a fat contract like Mike Trout did with the Angels or the team that we just know is not going anywhere in the next few years, 10 years. But, you know, it's whatever. It's whatever. Maybe it was more than money for LeMahieu, and I think that is very admirable because it could not be me. Could not be me. What is that? What is 90 divided by 6? I don't know. But it might be one of those contracts where, like, he increases his pay every year. And you know what? Other things about it, which, okay, I'm, like, blabbing on right now. But, like, what if it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, he gets more money each year. And then on top of that, they're, like, incentives. So it's, like, okay, if you win the batting title, you know, we'll give you this bonus you know what I'm saying so like it might be one of those things too so that would be kind of cool that's how you earn more cash more bread hunty yes 
Okay, <laughs> we're done talking about the Yankees. Uh, George Springer wants to play around in his hometown. I'm not play around in his own. He wants to play in a, in a major league baseball team that is near his hometown of, I well, don't know what his hometown is, but I know he um, grew up in Connecticut. Don't ask how. Google. But basically, um, that makes a lot of sense. So he will probably either play for the Blue Jays or the Mets. The question for the Mets is, do they have enough money to sign this man? But I think they, no. The Blue Jays offered him a contract of, or he, something around the Blue Jays, and he offered to like a $5 million, no, five years, and then, um, for a hundred years, I think the I think the Blue Jays offered him that, or the Mets offered him that, or he offered the Mets that prize, or he offered the Blue Jays that something and something. Those numbers and him go together, and I think that's a pretty good. That's definitely pretty good because the man is thirty one years old, so he'll be like thirty six when that contract is over, and I, you know, he'll be thirty. Like he's in his dirty thirties right now. <laughs> He's in his dirty 30s right now. So, you know, he, he's not as mobile. You know what I'm saying? So, I think it's a good thing that he'll probably be offered five years. But he's such a great hitter. And he's such a force in the postseason. Like, he's one of the best postseason hitters in history. Postseason hitters in history. He, he most certainly is. I think he is, I think, like, the best. I'm not sure. If you're hearing, like, yelling, it's probably this. If you guys know, like, this is the NFL playoffs right now. So whoever wins either of these two games, I think, is going to the um, AFC championship. Because I think the NFC championship played last night. And I don't ask me what teams are in the National Football Conference or the American because I don't know. I don't even know if that's the freaking acronym, but maybe, maybe not. I'm not really sure. Um, why are we talking about football right now? I have no idea. But I think he'll probably go to the Mets because the Toronto Blue Jays, like, taxes are ridiculously high because it's in Canada. But he might be forced to go to the Blue Jays anyway. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But this is a man that, you know, there's no way that he doesn't love his home state of Connecticut because nobody in their right fucking mind would go attend the University of Yukon and play baseball up in Yukon. Like, you got to really want to stay at home. You got to be a homebody. You got to be like, I don't know. <laughs> you got to really, you got to love where you came from. To sit there and willingly be like, you know what? I want to play baseball in below freezing weather. Yes, I love it. Like, I just, it just could not be me. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people play up north. Like, it's so cold and it's like you got the snow and everything. And that's why I can never be a professional athlete because, like, I need certain conditions. I need certain conditions to... Okay, I'm so sorry. I, look, let me tell you, I, I apologize. Can I tell you something? I apologize for the interference. I really do. Um, I don't know what happened, but I apologize for it. And <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying. It's, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard. 
to make sure that this is like, you can only hear my voice, but I'm telling you it's hard. But (laughs) anyway, um, I forgot what I was talking about. He might end up going to the Blue Jays instead, but you got to be, you know, you got to really love your town to sit up here and be like, yes, I want to stay in Connecticut for college and play baseball and below freezing weather. And then on top of that, you want to play up in the freaking north, you know, for, <laughs> for you know, professional baseball. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, ooh, he must love the snow. He must love freezing. Like, this nigga better not fucking complain. He better not complain about shit. He better not complain. I'm telling you, he better not complain about cold weather or anything because you know what? That's what you chose. You wanted to play up there. Enjoy it. I better not hear anything where, you know, you go down and you were in Atlanta. It's like, oh, so warm. Hey, that could have been. Hey, hey. Okay. Anyway, that is it i guess for springer i'm trying to think if there's anything else oh right before we get into the um first team all-american rankings which i got these from collegiate baseball and this one i actually like a little bit well i like a lot of it but i most definitely like the first team all-americans this year that collegiate baseball newspaper said and i feel like they could have changed a couple of people switched people in and out but i was really heated about that top 50 team preseason list but collegiate baseball came out with their first team all americans and things like that um very shortly after and they were the first i think outlet college baseball outlet to do that so basically you know that's the one i'm going to be using and i really like it i like this list i like it a lot all right there are a couple of reasons why I really don't trust Perfect Game or I don't really agree with their takes probably about 90% of the time. And the number one reason for that is because they already have so much on their plate. They are already ranking 11 and 12-year-old boys based on their undeveloped baseball skills and they're already doing that and then on top of that they have to rank college baseball teams with people with a lot more experience but also players who are developing as well and they're also ranking high school prospects that might be a little bit older and They're ranking MLB prospects as well. And to be honest, they have so much on their plate already. You know what I'm saying? When 12-year-olds should be worried about making the best grades that they can, getting projects done, they should be worried about their friends. They're out here worried about what their perfect game ranking is. Oh, Billy Joe is ranked 11th in the nation and I'm ranked 16. You know what I'm saying? Like, they do that. And for me, it's always rubbed me the wrong way. I just never understood why they would do that until they were, like, in high school. Like, I feel like you shouldn't be ranking, you know, little leaguers. You shouldn't be ranking, you know, guys under the age of, like, 
14 or 15. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like their skills are underdeveloped. They're going to get better. They're going to improve. And if you have them at a really low ranking or you have them not ranked at all, like it's going to get to them. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like these showcases for like these little kids, I just think it's completely ridiculous. I think a lot of things are ridiculous, but that in particular, I think is very ridiculous. And that's basically what I have to say. Um, I feel like they don't pay as much attention to college baseball. And, I, you know, and I just feel like if you're not paying that much attention to it, then you probably shouldn't be doing any rankings because a lot of the times when Perfect Game makes baseball rankings, like they're out of left field. You know, for everyone, it's like if we're thinking about D1 baseball or like collegiate baseball newspaper, like their rankings are pretty much kind of the same. But when you, when you have Perfect Game, it's like they're not paying 100% attention like D1 baseball or collegiate baseball newspaper because those are geared towards college baseball. Perfect Game is just doing too many things at once. You know, they have a lot of dishes and like not enough chefs, you know, to make them and cook them. You know what I'm saying? So for me, they just are not a reliable source, a reliable source if you're thinking about, you know, college baseball. They're just not. You know, they need... Should probably focus on high school prospects. They should focus on MLB prospects. And I think they just need to leave the college baseball to people that actually do college baseball. Now, if we're thinking about college baseball, like recruitment rankings, now that is something that definitely, you know, I get behind. And that's something that I trust 100% because they are watching these kids from high school up until senior year and they do these showcases. So when we're talking about college baseball, like, newcomer rankings which is something that they do and then the same thing that also goes with uh, uh the recruiting class rankings like that is something that they need to continue to do because they are experts in that field but if we're talking about the actual season and we're talking about actual players and games in the regular season and things like that they just need to really stay in their place and just hang out and <laughs> just like not worry about it they just don't need to worry about it and that's all I have to say, basically, for Perfect Game. They had, well, that's not what I have to say. I mean, I actually have a little bit more. But they came out with their rankings a couple of weeks ago, about a week ago. And, I mean, I'm just disgusted. They have Louisville, which we don't even know what their pitching staff is going to look like this year. I don't know what their pitching staff is going to look like. They have them at number two, and they have Vanderbilt at number six. I think Collegiate Baseball Newspaper got it right. They have Florida at number one. Perfect Game has Florida at number one, too. But I think Vanderbilt needs to be number two. They are the number two team in the nation. They have Texas Tech above UCLA, which I think Texas Tech and UCLA could really go either way. I think... UCLA could be number three, and I also think Texas Tech can be number three. They could switch places, you know what I'm saying? But for the most part, Texas Tech, UCLA, University of Mississippi, they are all really on the same playing field, and any of those teams could beat Florida or, Louis Florida or Louisville, which they have perfect game. Perfect game has Louisville at number two. That's just ridiculous. But they have Miami and LSU and Virginia and UC Santa Barbara, which... You know, I don't really have any, like, issues with that. I just think that, um, you know, there, I mean, there are a lot of teams that I feel like could fill 5 through 10, 
But, you know, for these teams, I don't think it's that bad. I think having UC Santa Barbara, though, at number 10 is a risk because they are a mid-major team and, you know, they're a mid-major team. So I think it's a risk putting them in the top 10 unless you can really be sure they're going to be, like, elite. They have Arizona right outside the top 10, which I think that's the one thing Perfect Game got right. I think Collegiate Baseball Newspaper was a little bit too ambitious with putting Arizona at number 10. I just think they were. I just think they were. um, You have East Carolina at 13, and they're the first, I mean, they're the second mid-major team on that list. And I just feel like East Carolina is a better baseball team than UC Santa Barbara. They did Florida State more justice. They had them at 21. I think Collegiate Baseball Newspaper had them at like 28 or 29. I just almost threw up. It was very disrespectful. We have arguably arguably one of the best outfields in the country, and it just it didn't make sense. Um, Arkansas is in the top 20. Um, Collegiate Baseball Newspaper had Arkansas at like 41. Um, totally disrespectful, but... Somebody in the comment section was like, Arkansas not in the top 10 is disrespectful, and I wholeheartedly agree. Arkansas probably should have taken either LSU's spot or or Virginia's spot or UC Santa Barbara's spot, 8 through 10, just because Arkansas, I think, could beat the living shit out of any of those three teams. Maybe even Miami as well. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, you know, too out there. But Texas is another team that I think should have been in the top 20. Like, I don't know what the fuck um, Indiana's doing there. I don't know why NC State is number 16. Like, these are going to get messed around, like, a lot. You know, by the end of the season, this is going to be probably the most wrong preseason rankings ever. It's going to be even worse than Collegiate Baseball Newspaper. They have Michigan at number 18. It's like Texas has like one of the best arms in college baseball right now in Ty Madden. And you're going to put them at number 22. You know, you have Austin Todd, you know, who's coming back for his senior year. Arguably one of the best hitters in the Big 12. It's just ridiculous. For me, it's ridiculous. But I think having Georgia and UCF at number 24 and 25 is good. But they have Ohio State at 23, and I just don't like the fact that Texas and Ohio State are literally one number away from each other because Texas Tech is miles ahead of Ohio State when we're talking about um, just overall class, not, I mean, overall talent. I, I just think they're better. But other than that, that's all I have to say about the preseason rankings for Perfect Game and... Now we can get into the Collegiate Baseball Newspaper's first team All-Americans. Yay! We just, we love that, don't we? I do. I just love talking about college baseball. Like, that's my thing. But yes, let's get into Collegiate Baseball Newspaper's first team All-Americans. Guys, the 2021 college baseball season is about a month away, and I am super excited for it. I've already said that a million times, but, like, I am excited for it. The 2020 season was cut short, as you guys all know. We only had about three or four weeks of college baseball. However, in those three and four weeks, there were a lot of players that you guys probably remember. I mean, we talk about, 
you know, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leader, Connor Prelip. We'll probably talk about Jude, Judd. Oh my God. Judd Fabian, Robert Moore. A lot of players that, that made a huge, huge splash in 2020. And I'm here to give you guys a recap on those people. I'm going to be going through the All-Americans that were chosen this preseason before the college baseball season began. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see these names. I saw these names and I kind of just went back and did a review on like how they did in 2020. I just wanted to see the stats they put up. And a lot of these players I did watch in 2020 and I was like, wait, now hold on. You know, who are you? I did not see you last year. Now, obviously, Kumar Rocker, you know, I saw him. But, (laughs) you know, and I've known who Brooks Collison is, who is also on this list as well. He's from Samford. And, but there were, were a lot of, like, new people, definitely, that I hadn't heard of before. So I'm going to be going through that. And then I'm also going to be going through... People who might not have made the first team All-American, but people that I saw and I absolutely love and I'm very high on. And I have very, very, very high expectations for in 2021. I believe that some of the dudes that I'm going to be mentioning that are not in the first team All-American could potentially be a first team All-American by the end of the season. And when I read a couple of these names, you're going to sit up there and you're going to be like, oh yeah, definitely. They could overtake one of these people. Because at the end of the day, the preseason All-American team is a prediction. And once the whole season is through, obviously it's going to be more of like, these are the people that actually did well in 2021. So without further ado, which I don't think I've ever said that before, Without further ado, let's get into it, baby. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right, first person on our preseason first team All-American list. This should not come as a surprise to any of you guys. It shouldn't. It shouldn't come as a surprise to you. Kumar Rocker, possibly the number one pick of the 2021 MLB draft. He is a junior this year. We did not get to see him in his sophomore season because of coronavirus, at least not as much like a full season as we would like to. He had a couple of starts, obviously. He was their Friday night guy for the most part. Um, But we just, we didn't get to see a lot of him, which kind of sucked. In 2020, he posted a 1.8 zero ERA over three starts and 15 innings. He had 28 strikeouts and eight walks. So pretty good at getting people out. Uh, The walks are, they're low, I guess. Single digits. I think that's pretty good. Um, He is one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher going into 2021. That even, that shouldn't even be a surprise. It's, it's Kumar Rocker. You guys saw how electric he was in the NCAA tournament. He saved Vanderbilt's ass twice. He saved their asses in (laughs) game two of that super regional against Duke. Because if you remember game one, Duke beat up on Vanderbilt. And, you know, when I saw, I was like, wait, now, hold on. That's not what's supposed to happen. If anything, you know, Vanderbilt was definitely a favorite for um, Omaha and to win Omaha in 2019. If it wasn't Vanderbilt, we thought it was going to be UCLA and Kumar Rocker saved Vanderbilt's chances of going to the College World Series, and Vanderbilt went to the College World Series. They lost in the first game of the finals against Michigan, and then Kumar Rocker came in. They called on the black man 
to come in and he saved their ass again in game two of that um, College World Series finals. And then they eventually go on to win game three. Kumar Rocker wins his championship ring. And that's basically what happens, you know. Pretty cool. Pretty good. So Kumar Rocker, first dude on the list, should not be a surprise to anybody. And he will be an X Factor for that Vanderbilt team. If not him, definitely uh, the entire offense. Definitely the entire offense. But, I mean, if he has a good Friday night start, the offense is definitely going to come up behind him. And if they win Friday night, they have a better chance of winning on Saturday and Sunday. It's really going to be a tight battle for the SEC East. So Kumar Rocker and this next dude that I'm going to talk about, they definitely have to be on their A game in 2021 or the Gators are just going to run away with it and we cannot have that occur. That can't happen. They can, the, the Gators cannot win the SEC East. That can't happen. That I'm telling you, can't happen. It can't happen. Next person on this list, Jack Leader. He's, you know, the number two guy. You know what I'm saying? Behind Kumar Rocker. Now, obviously, throughout the season, that may change. I don't know, but Jack Leader is an amazing pitcher. This is exactly what Vanderbilt needs. They need two really, really, really good pitchers. He is also a potential top five draft pick, and for good reason. He posted a 1.72 ERA over two starts and 15.2 innings. He had 22 strikeouts and eight walks. Very electric pitcher. Very electric. Definitely probably going to be the Saturday guy. Going into it, but I mean, if you saw Jack Leader or Kumar Rocker on either a Friday night or a Saturday night, you should probably pack up your bags and leave because you guys are not going to get any runs across the board. That's just how it works. You might get one, but you're not going to win. Like Kumar Rocker, Jack Leader is going to be a key piece in that Vanderbilt starting rotation. And if they don't perform at a Elite level, a repeat championship won't occur. And that is point blank true. If you don't have a good pitching staff or if your pitching staff does not perform at the level that they're supposed to, you're not going to win another College World Series. But I think you honestly won't have to worry about that with Jack Leader and Kumar Rocker. They are both amazing, great pitchers, and I expect a lot of them in 2021. They might go back to back, you know, in the draft. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Number three person, and yes, there are a couple Gators in this preseason first-team All-American team, so we have to talk about them as much as I know. I don't want to talk about him, but we have to, unfortunately. We have Tommy Mace. That's Florida's primetime dude on the mound. Now, like Jack Leader and Kumar Rocker, if Tommy Mace does not have a good start, well... I say that. I kind of, not saying that I like Florida's offense because I don't like them, but I have more faith in their offense than I do Vanderbilt. And that, that doesn't mean that I don't think Vandy's offense is good. It's just, I think, you know, with Judd Fabian like leading it and you just have so many um talented hitters in that Florida lineup, I think if Tommy Mace, now he can't be terrible, like go out and give up seven or eight hits, but... If he does give up a couple, I think, I mean, give up like that many runs. But if he gives up a couple of runs, you know, 
Florida will be able to bounce back from that. Most definitely. Depends on who they play, though, right? You know, it can't be just anybody. He finished 3-0, had a 1.67 ERA over 27 innings, and he had 28 strikeouts and 8 walks. That is the third dude in a row who has only walked 8 people. But Kumar has, out of those 3 people, Kumar struck the most people out, so that's pretty cool too. He, he, if he provides quality starts, it will be Florida versus Vanderbilt for the SEC East. But, you know, he has to go out there and do what he needs to do, which I really do hope he does not do that. Like, I want there to be competition in the SEC East, but if it's competition between Florida, like, ugh, Florida. You know, Tommy Mace and Judd Fabian are the X Factor for that Florida team, and there's nothing else you can basically say about that. They are the X Factor. Jaden Hill, this is one that is just a very questionable one for me. And my thing with Jaden Hill, I have nothing against the kid, but I just have not seen him play. I have not seen him pitch in like a long time. Irvi's pitch has been very limited. He came in for relief in 2020. He was out in 2019, like the majority of 2019 because he was injured. But when he wasn't injured, he was absolutely like stunning and like amazing. It just makes me think, like, if they had Jaden Hill throughout the entire season and, you know, FSU came in and they swept LSU in a regional in 2019 to get to the College World Series, I just wonder basically how much different that outcome that may have been had you had Jaden Hill, you know, on the mound. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a lot of questions for, you know, for that for 2019, but he just... He couldn't pitch because he was injured. And then in 2020, obviously, they weren't trying to work him too much. So, you know, he went in, he threw limited pitches and he was just in a relief role. But the scouts are saying that he has great stuff. He has a potential top five draft pick. And we'll just see. We will see how he does. We'll see how well he does. And hopefully, you know, he does well. He had a 0.00 ERA over 11.2 innings and had two saves. He struck out 17 batters and he only walked five. Very, very good. You know what I'm saying? It's good. And you can basically see the potential that he has. So I'm really excited to see him pitch in a full starter mode and we'll see how that works. Jack Petaway, he's a pitcher from UCLA. And Jaden Hills from LSU. Well, I already said LSU and then, you know, I was basically like throwing up at Tommy Mace because, you know, Gators. Okay. But yeah, Zach Cutaway is from UCLA. He is a dynamic pitcher for the Bruins. He posted a 1.50 ERA over four starts and 25.2 innings, and he had 29 strikeouts to one walk. So I think he's the best in terms of strikeouts to walks out of all the people that we've talked to so far. To be honest, you... I'm not going to sit here and say that Zach Petaway is, like, underrated because I think people know how good he is. However, they're not talking about Zach Petaway as much as they're talking about Kumar Rocker and Jack Leader. And looking at this and, you know, the team that UCLA has, Zach Petaway... I don't want this to be too crazy or whatever, but I think Zach Petaway is going to have a better season than Jack Leader and Kumar Rocker, but I don't know if he'll get as much recognition 
for it because it's, you know, Vanderbilt. And it's also UCLA, you know what I'm saying? But if we're talking about, like, you know, recent years, you're really looking at Vanderbilt. I think he is the better pitcher. I think out of the five people, including him, that we've mentioned so far. But we'll see. The next person on the list is Connor Prelip. Y'all. Alabama in 2020. That was the most surprising team of 2020 if it wasn't Oklahoma, if it wasn't Texas. It was Alabama, and I think Alabama definitely most. If I mean, Alabama was ass with like a capital A for the past five years. It, we know that, and we've seen, we, we saw that. They were just not a good team. They were very bad. And then in 2020, they turned it around. Like what? They literally turned it around, like so quickly. And it's like, how? And the big catalyst for this was Connor Prelip. Connor Prelip put a fire under Alabama's booty. He lit a match and Alabama just went up, y'all. You know, I I did not have a lot of faith in that Alabama coach, but he has been doing some prime time recruiting because Connor Prelip is easily deserves to be on this list. He posted a 0.00 ERA over four starts and 21 innings, and he had 35 strikeouts to six walks. He was one of my favorite pitchers in 2020, and I just loved watching him pitch. He was absolutely electric. He was amazing. Okay, people... For some reason, don't like this kid. They're like, oh, you know, he's not better than such and such. Nah, 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 nah. But you know what? Connor Prelip is good and he's only going to get better. I, I love him. Love Prelip. Prelip is absolutely amazing. You know, the first game, you know, he gave up a couple of hits. But you know what? After that, honey. He was like, first game who? First start who? That's right. Connor Prelip. Keep him back in your mind. I'm telling you, 2021 MLB draft, you need to be thinking of Connor Prelip, okay? He will be a force to be reckoned with in the SEC East. He might be the best pitcher in the 2022 MLB draft. He might be. I'm excited for this draft, and I'm excited for the one next year, too. You know? He came, I don't know what state he came from, but he was from the Midwest and he got recruited by a Southern team and he went down South to Alabama. Now, obviously the appeal to Alabama is not really with the baseball team. It's more like the football team, just the culture and the atmosphere definitely in Tuscaloosa because it is a big football area. So that could be one thing that's really drawn, that really drew him into Alabama. But then again, that's what I'm talking about. A lot of this Midwestern talent, they're moving West or they're moving South. You know what I'm saying? Because ain't nobody want to play up there in the Midwest. I'm sorry. Ain't nobody want to be up there. Very few people want to. Very few people. And I would understand why you wouldn't. Because it's cold up there. And ain't nobody want to be playing baseball where it's cold. Ew. Halen Green. This is the one relief pitcher in this um, 2021 preseason first team All-American freshman club. Not freshman club. What the fuck? Anyway, Halen Green. Remember him? He's a relief pitcher out of TCU. TCU kind of had a bounce back year kind of in 2020. Like they weren't bad in 2019, but they weren't TCU like Omaha TCU. You know what I'm saying? They were just kind of there. 
I've already mentioned this so many times, but like, you know, they were in the Arkansas regional and, you know, and they were just kind of like, eh, you know what I'm saying? They were okay. He posted a 0.00 ERA over 17.2 innings. He had two saves, 19 strikeouts to five walks. And he is an X factor for this TCU team. If the TCU Horned Frogs, Lord, that is an ugly mascot. I'm sorry, Horned Frogs. Anyway, if they have a lead and Halen Green blows that shit, that's not going to be good. You do realize he blows that you, they're not going to win. And that Big 12 is a tough conference. So if you have a lead, you really want to hang on to it. I think Hale, I think if you put Halen Green, you know, in there in a tight spot, in a tight situation, he's going to pull it out for you. If he wasn't going to be able to do that for you, he probably wouldn't be a first team preseason All-American. And I have high hopes for this dude in 2021 as well. I have never heard of him. I've heard of everybody else before Halen, but I've never heard of him. So I'm definitely going to be eagle eye paying attention to Halen Green in 2021. Adrian Castillo, the catcher out of Miami. Miami got embarrassed a little bit against Florida. I don't, y'all, that was embarrassing. Ain't nobody like to get swept at home. That was gross. That was disgusting. It was ridiculous and it was disgusting. This dude started in 16 games. He had a 3.58 batting average, 19 hits, two doubles, a triple, and two homers. He only had one error. Error. And he had a 0.994 fielding percentage. I put batting average in my script. That would be amazing if you had a .994 batting average. That would be insane. But, um, I mean, if Adrian Castillo does not hit for this Miami team, they're in big trouble. I did not have them as a contender for Omaha, and I am stupid for that, like incredibly stupid for that. But just know in this episode... Miami is a contender for Omaha in the ACC. I just they completely went over my head. I dead, they dead ass completely went over my head. I I just forgot about him. But yes, Miami is a contender for Omaha in 2021. He's great. You know, he could potentially lead these Hurricanes to <laughs> I I mean, I completely forgot about that team. Oh my god. But he could lead Miami to um a national seed for Miami if they happen to, you know, take over the ACC, which I think will be a cutthroat battle because you just have so many other teams, including Miami, you know, you had Notre Dame and you have um, Virginia, you sh- you know, you got Louisville as well, even though I kind of put them as a pretender, but you do have Louisville, you know, vying for that um, top ACC spot as well. So you're really going to need Adrian Castillo as in a leadership role. And I, you know, I don't think he has any problem filling those shoes. Bobby Seymour is first baseman. Um, I said this was a confusing pick. I forgot what team he's on and I'm not going to look it up because I don't care. But this is questionable because Homeboy has a 2.84 batting average. And none of the other position players have a batting average that low. I think he has the lowest batting average out of everybody there. Um, I think Jude doesn't have a batting average over 300 this season, but like it's Judd, Judd, fuck, 
It's Judd Fabian. Judd Fabian doesn't have one, I don't think, over 300, but, like, it's Judd Fabian, and it's, like, it's Judd Fabian. So, you know. He started in 18 games, like I said before. He had 19 hits, two doubles, and a home run, and a point nine eight five. Now I see the fact he had 19 hits is probably um, the reason, but I just don't understand how you can have 19 hits. You know what I think happened? He either wasn't hot at the beginning of the season or he, like, cooled off. That's got to be what happened. Why Bobby Seymour has 19 hits, but he has a 2.84 batting average. And then Adrian Castillo has 19 hits, but he has a 3.58. That is the weirdest thing in the world. But I think that's what... We'll figure it out. Anyway... Brooks Carlson, second baseman for the uh, preseason first team All-American. I saw this man and I was like, oh no. The only, the first and only Florida State baseball game I ever went to was the one between Florida State and Sanford and that game one super regional. I was like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to go up in there. We're going to beat the shit out of Sanford. Like they don't got anything on us. And you know, we lost that game. Then we ended up losing on a walk off to Mississippi State. We eventually went to the semifinals and lost to Oregon State. And that's how that all happened and all that good crap. You know what I'm saying? But Brooks Carlson was the main catalyst for Sanford really getting a lead over us. He was two for five. I think in his first couple of plate appearances, he drove in about three runs. And from there, it was like, fuck, with a capital F, because it was like, what What were we going to do? Like, what were we going to do Brooks Carlson? You know what I'm saying? It was just, he was so good. And, you know, he's a senior now. So finally, he's going to be gone, but like, ugh. He's, he's so good. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm getting this from the right person, but like, like I saw like, I'm, I was looking at the stats on like Sanford Baseball's website and I, I blinked a couple of times because like, there's no way this dude has a 500 batting average, but he does. Every other time he comes up to the plate, he gets a hit. Insane. And you can be like, well, you know, it's the conference that he plays in. It's just, you know, the strength of schedule wasn't that tough. And it's like, yeah, you can think that way. But like, even so, to go one for two every time you come at, right, it's just really good. He had an OPS over a, um over one, which I have not mentioned anybody else having an OPS, but like, I might do it if your OPS is over one. He had 25 hits, four doubles, and three home runs. He had 19 ribbies, two errors at second with a 964 batting average. If he cleans that up, he could potentially be a Golden Spikes Award finalist. Ooh. Zach Jaloff is a spot sophomore like Connor Prelip, and I'm guessing he is a third baseman. No, a shortstop. <laughs> I forgot what came afterwards. I think he's a shortstop, and he is from the University of Virginia. I had to think about that for a second. I believe he is. I know he is. He batted three forty nine as a freshman. He had six doubles, two triples, and five home runs, and 18 RBIs. He led the ACC in multiple categories. Do not ask me what categories he led in. I don't know. That was just what was on the website. I was just reading it off the website. For the Cavaliers to even have a chance 
at taking the ACC this season, he has got to replicate that success. And for me, I don't see any problem with him doing that. I think he's going to be able to do it. Matt McClain, stud sophomore from UCLA. Well, sophomore. Or is he a junior? He, maybe he is a sophomore. He had an incredible improvement from... Um, yeah, he's got to be a junior because he had, uh, yeah, he's got to be a junior. He's got to be a junior because, like, his freshman season, it, he wasn't really that good, but, like, UCLA had to, like, you know, play him. And then in his second year of being at UCLA, he just, you know, completely um took college baseball by storm. He had a 3.97 batting average. He had 19 hits, four doubles, and three home runs. He also had a 9.57 fielding percentage. Um, he needs to get the fielding percentage up. He needs to stop making so many errors on that wherever he is because I don't know what position he plays. But <laughs> um, if he gets that up, just like uh, Brooks Carlson, he could be a Golden Spikes Award winner. And we'll just see how that goes. But Matt McLean is also a potential top five draft pick. In 2021, so keep a lookout for him as well. Judd Fabian, who I keep saying Jude, but it's Judd, star outfielder from an already stacked Florida Gators team. If you're a Florida Gators baseball fan, you know who he is. He is probably your favorite player on the team. He's a very exciting player to watch, but he is a Gator, which automatically I dislike you. He had a 2.94 batting average, really good, not that bad. You know what I'm saying? Not that bad. With 20 hits, 6 doubles, and 5 home runs with 13 RBIs. And he had a .993 fielding percentage. And it's good. Judd Fabian's production for this Florida Gators baseball team is going to be something that is incredibly important for the success of this team. If Jude... John, fuck. Shit. Damn it. If Judd Fabian doesn't perform at an elite level, the Gators will not have a chance at that SEC East position against Vanderbilt. I'm telling you right now, he has got to perform at the level that he was performing at in 2020, maybe slightly better, get that batting average up over 300. It's still pretty good production with the 2.94, but you know, you're going to have to repeat that success in order for the Gators to even have a chance. So please don't. Have a down year, please. <laughs> Grant Richardson, Indiana Hoosiers. That's the next person on this list. He had an insane 4.34 batting average with 25 hits, three doubles, two triples, and five home runs. I was looking at Grant Richardson. I'm like, who is this? Like, this is a new person to me. Like, I knew everybody except for Zach Jaloff and, like, Halen Green. I didn't know anybody else except... I mean, I knew everybody else except for those three people. But he definitely deserves to be on this list. I mean, that batting average is insane. However, it takes more than one person for a team to make it to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, Indiana is not one of those teams where it's like, oh, my God, Omaha every year. No. So he's got to have great production. And if you guys are hearing that, people are popping fireworks outside of my house isn't that great yay but um in order 
for the Hoosiers to do well. He's going to have great production. People on the lineup have to have great production. And pitching has got to be on point as well. Parker Shavers from Coastal Carolina. Talented hitter on a seasoned mid-major team. If you don't know who Coastal Carolina is, you are a college baseball noob. And this is probably one of the best mid-major teams in college baseball. They won the College World Series back in 2016. And in the next episode, I'm going to be diving deep, deep, deep into the 2016 college baseball season and, well, not season, but the tournament. And you're just going to ride along with me on this journey on how the lovely, 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 lovely Coastal Carolina Chanteliers, Cantaliers, Cantaliers maybe, I believe, and those beautiful teal uniforms ended up winning the College World Series. So we're going to see how that works. In 2020, he sat out the season because he had an injury. But this year, he's back. And we have high hopes for him because he hit 316 in 2019 with 66 hits, 9 doubles, 4 triples, and 15 home runs. Now, that was in a full season. So if you guys are looking at that and you're like, um, how does he have 66 hits? Well, that's because I was in 2019 and they actually played 60 games. And Coastal actually went to the Georgia Tech Regional in Atlanta. The regional that Georgia Tech should not have even hosted. I, we can get into that in 2019 when I talk about it. But that was just ridiculous. Like over... It was just... Nah. I'm, you know what? You know what? Moving on. Kenyon Yovin is an electric hitter from Oregon. Now, when is the last time you saw a dude from Oregon make the first team preseason All-American list for a bit college baseball season? Uh, never. And I was like, um, okay, how good is he? Well, he's hit 4.29 with 24 hits, 9 doubles, 2 triples, and a home run. So he may or may not have deserved it. That's up to you guys. Um, I'm not the judge. I'm just kidding. He deserves it. Offense will not be an X factor in 2021 for that Oregon team. They're going to have to have some good pitching. And I have them, like, I don't even have them as somebody that could even make the tournament in 2021. If they do, that's great. If they don't, I'll sit there and tell you, like, duh, obviously they didn't. Now, their softball team, on the other hand, Oregon State softball team, they're going to Omaha. They always go to Omaha because they're a good team. Like, I would never, you know, bring any hate towards Oregon softball. But that baseball team is a wreck. If I tell you, that, that team is a wreck. It is a hot mess. All right, so the last person for the first team preseason, preseason All-American list is David Sharp. I love two-way players. Um, there actually was a two-way player from Clemson. I forgot his name, but he was a very electric player. Clemson loves their two-way guys, and I love two-way guys too. And he pitched and he hit, obviously. That's what a two-way guy is if you're a baseball noob. They pitch and they hit. He had four appearances. He went 1-1 one and one with a 3.93 ERA and 18.1 innings pitched. He also hit 311 with 14 hits, two doubles, and four home runs. Two-way players are so valuable for teams. And you really have to be extremely athletic to be a two-way player especially in baseball because 
pitching is not easy and hitting a baseball is not easy either. If you know how to do both of those things, you know, sometimes you can think like a pitcher or you can think like a hitter while you're doing the other thing and it just improves your game tremendously. I literally just pulled that from you nowhere. But I'm thinking that's usually what people who are two-way players do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think I'm crazy. I think that's what they do. Honorable mentions that were not in the first team preseason All-American. The more I looked at this list, I was like, you know what? They all deserve to be on there. At the beginning, I was like, well, there's somebody that I would change. I would change this person and that person. But those are truly the best people for that first team preseason all-american team those are the best players from 2020 and there's nothing else i can say about that they are the best but my first two people i'm going to talk about are from a team who did absolutely terrible in 2019 but they looked like they were turning things around in 2020 and for that we have the two people from the university of kentucky the wildcats you already know who these these two people are if you guys are you know college baseball fans you have austin schultz and you have john rhodes austin schultz and john rhodes were the two best people on two best players the two best hitters on that Kentucky Wildcats team in order for Kentucky to even have a chance at making the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Those two have got to be on fire and that pitching staff has got to be okay. They can't be awful. They can be okay, but they they can't be awful. That's the one. He's part of the one-two punch, Austin Schultz, for that Kentucky baseball team. And like I said, John Rhodes is the other one. You honestly can interchange them and like switch them and things like that they're really you know both really good players Schultz hit 393 with 24 hits five doubles a triple and five home runs John Rhodes hit 426 with 26 hits 10 doubles one triple and one home run at the end of the day with John Rhodes He had seven errors as a freshman, but like I said, I mean, he's a freshman. He's playing D1 college baseball at a Power 5 school. He'll probably clean it up, and if he really cleans up his fielding, which I think is definitely going to happen for him, and he hits really well in 2021, he will definitely be a top 10 draft pick in 2020. If he isn't there, if somebody is going to get a steal because – this is definitely one of the best players to watch out for in 2022. The next person I have is from Ole Miss. Ole Miss is just one of those teams that's just, they are so close to greatness. They are so close to that College World Series ring. They're super close, and they just have to get over the hump. And I think with Doug Nikhazy, which is the guy I'm going to be talking about next, who's from Ole Miss, they're really going to get there. Doug Nikhazy is probably my favorite college baseball pitcher right now that's not on FSU's baseball team. And he could definitely fill that Friday night role. And Mike Bianco is definitely going to be leaning on him to make sure, you know, that he's on his A game and that he can do that. Because having Doug Nikhazy as a Friday night guy is going to do absolute wonders for that Ole Miss team. He went 3-1 with a 2.35 ERA with 31 strikeouts and 9 walks over 23 innings. He is absolutely electric. I can't wait to see how he does in 2021. He's going to be really tough. Really tough in 2021. Don't think on a Friday night you can walk into Swayze Field or 
you know, even if like they're the away team, if you think, you know, it's going to be an easy Friday night, because it's not, they're going to be a lot of swing and misses and there's going to be a lot of outs, you know what I'm saying? Low scoring, all right, because it's Doug Nikhazy, all right? Ty Madden is another dude and that really just kind of emerged as a good pitcher in 2020, and that could be somebody that the Texas Longhorns really lean on in 2021. He's likely the Tex- Texas Longhorns ace for 2021. He was the Saturday guy in 2020, but I think the Friday night guy has since graduated or he got drafted or he left. He had a 1.80 ERA over 25 innings, 26 strikeouts, and he walked only four. He's going to be an important piece on that Longhorns team because I have very high hopes for the Texas Longhorns. I think they could go to Omaha in 2021. And if they do go to to Omaha in 2021, Ty Madden is going to be a huge piece and a huge reason as to why that's occurring. The Big 12 is so cutthroat. There's so many good teams in the Big 12 with Texas Tech and you have Oklahoma. So you really um, have to have a great pitching staff and you have to have a guy that can go out and go six or seven innings and not give up any runs, you know, on a Friday night to give you guys a good chance at winning, basically. Drew Swift from Arizona State, he had a breakout season in 2020, and he's going to be incredibly important in the lineup now that Spencer Torkelson is not there anymore. As you guys know, Torkelson went number one in the 2020 MLB draft, and he deserved it. He's a great pitcher, and now... This Arizona State team is really kind of rebuilding. You know what I'm saying? They came off of an NCAA tournament appearance in 2019. And you know, everybody's trying to get back there. Everybody's trying to get to Omaha. And in order for Arizona State to even have a chance, which I think is kind of slim considering how good these college baseball teams are this year and how good the Pac-12 is this year with UCLA and Arizona. So in order for them to do really well, Swift has to do really well. In 2020, Drew Swift hit 365. He had 23 hits, three doubles, and one home run. And that's what's up. That's what's going on with Drew Swift. Our last two people that we're going to be talking about is Kevin Abel and Gunnar Hoglund. Kevin Abel's from Oregon State. As you guys know, Oregon State won the College World Series back in 2018. Kevin Abel was a huge piece in that. Because Kevin Abel pitched game three of the College World Series and he shut out the Arkansas Razorbacks and he retired like what 27 people in a row. He was just he was very good, very good pitcher. In 2019, he was out for Tommy John surgery in April of that season, which really sucked. It was a highly anticipated 2020 season, but Like Jaden Hill, Kevin Abel was cut short due to coronavirus. People are not checking for him right now. I feel like people have forgotten about Kevin Abel. And I can't blame them for forgetting about him because the dude hasn't come out and pitched in a hot minute. You know, you have a new coach coming up in there for Oregon State. And I think he's going to be leaning on Kevin Abel to really do something. I think Kevin Abel has the talent. He has a work ethic and he has the leadership to really be a Friday night guy for the Beavers. And he has got to come out there and he's got to pitch well because Oregon State is on the decline for me and they're not really getting a lot of attention in college baseball right now. So in order to really prove those haters wrong, I mean, he's got to go out there and he's got to pitch a good game and the offense has got to bat 
and hit behind him because in the past couple of seasons, for me, what I've been seeing is I've just been seeing that Oregon State just really hasn't been hitting behind their pitchers. So hopefully, you know, that will be the case. You know, Abel is going to be an X factor, but that offense is going to be a huge X factor as well. Gunnar Hoglund is part of that one-two punch for Ole Miss with Doug DeCasey. He's going to be have to be on his A game, especially in the SEC West, because you are playing against Arkansas. In order for the Rebels to even have a chance at overtaking Arkansas in the SEC West, he, you know, he's got to be really good. In 2020, he went 23.1 innings. He posted a three point nah. He posted a three and zero record with 37 strikeouts and four walks. I'm excited for him, along with Nikhazy and that Ole Miss team. I think they're going to be really good in 2021, and I think that Ole Miss can finally get over the hump that they've been wanting to get over for a while now. I think they've got it. They have just they have to put everything together. Ole Miss has got to put everything together, and I think the offense is going to be really good. And you know, Hogland and Nikhazy are really going to push Ole Miss over the top. This 2021 preseason All-American teams, I mean, these are the best dudes in baseball. And for me, I think this is the most stacked it's ever been. And I've never been more excited to see players this year. Because I'm like, I'm growing up with them. Like, I'm watching them. You know what I'm saying? I am witnessing them develop into the elite hitters and the elite pitchers that they're going to be. And, you know, I'm really high on a lot of these freshmen that are now sophomores and and then they're going to be juniors next year. And I'm just, I'm excited for it. It's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be really awesome. It's going to be really amazing to see how they do. And that is basically all I have to say. Follow me on Instagram at The Rubber Match. Follow me on Twitter at Tim Corbin Salt Shaker. It's in all lowercase, there's no apostrophes, and in between Tim Corbin's, there's a period. In between Corbin Salt Shaker, there's a period as well. As the season gets started, as it gets heated up, I will definitely be tweeting more, but because nothing is really happening, nothing is really, really happening, honestly, I'm not going to be tweeting as much, but turn your notifications on when... College World Series, not College World Series, when college baseball starts up again on Instagram and on Twitter because I am going to be talking a lot on there. Hope everybody's 2021 is going very, very well. I am going to have a lot of content coming out on my website really soon. Like I said, follow me on Instagram so that you know and you can visit my website and you can see what I have to say. If you guys are excited for college baseball, say hooray. (laughs) through your screen I know I won't be able to hear you but you know say hooray I'm so ready I'm so pumped as well I just cannot wait and I will see and I will see you guys next week love y'all bye-bye